This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag and indeed.com. Welcome into the A-List podcast. I'm joined by Gary Washburn, of course, and Aishra Blakely. I'm Kwani A. Lunas. And we have some preseason Celtics basketball to talk about. Are y'all ready? <laughs> okay. Yeah, ready. no? You ready. Yeah, let's do it. Let's Man, do they it. Sound so enthusiastic. So right now yeah. the Celtics are two and one in preseason play. I want to first just get your takeaways from those first three games and who stood out to the two of you so far. You know, I mean, I, th- I think the one guy who's probably made, probably helped himself the most, I think, in the preseason is Sam Hauser. I mean, I think that that's a guy that was pretty much, you know, you knew he was going to be on the active roster, but now I think he's he's done enough to where you you feel comfortable and confident if you're the Celtics to go into the season with him in your regular rotation. Now, does that mean he's going to pay 15, 20, 25 minutes? Probably not. But you know that right now you you feel a comfort level with him on the floor that you probably didn't have a year ago this time. So I would say he's probably the biggest winner on this roster when you look at what's happened in the preseason so far. Um, Jalen's, I thought, played really well. Uh, you know, like Sharon said, Hauser has been very good. Uh, he, he knocked down at threes like he's uh, supposed to. And everybody else has just kind of done what they're supposed to also. I mean, you know, Noah Vonley has been a little up and down. Um, uh, you know, Tatum has been okay. Nothing spectacular. Hasn't played all that much. I mean, he's uh, played the first two games and played the third one. Um, so there's no been real, real, no stunning surprises, but I think Hauser has done well. I, I said, I'm, you know, Jalen was, uh, you know, worked out before the game on Friday, like the rest of the veterans, but didn't want to take the, the game off. He literally, you know, um, he ended up playing like 20 minutes. So, you know, obviously he said he wants to keep his rhythm and he looked, he looked good. Um, so I think the team overall, there's nobody that you're like, wow, they're just not, you know, either guys haven't gotten a chance to play or guys have played pretty well, you know, Guys like Justin Jackson have had his ups and downs and Von Lay, um, you know, Broderick Thomas, uh, you know, probably uh, had been all that impressive. Layman and Sam Semantic haven't played all that much. So it's likely they're headed to Maine. Um, but as far as, front, you know, everybody's looked okay. It's hard to say, oh, Marcus Smart. I mean, he's done okay. I haven't played that much. Same with Al, Grant, you know, but I saw Jalen and Ed Hauser. No, that's a really good point. I think with preseason, it's hard to really make too much of an analysis because it's still just preseason. But to your point, there are players trying to, you know, make a roster spot in that sense. But that being said, is there someone that you would say hasn't played up to the standards that you've been expecting in the preseason? What you got, Gary? Um, not really. I mean, I said, like, Jason's been okay. He's missed a lot of threes, but he said he started slow. Um, I was really not impressed with Justin Jackson until the second half of the Charlotte game where he really turned it on. He had a couple of three, like three threes in a row, blocked, blocked Mark Williams, a shot at the rim. Like he really looked like, okay, this guy could like really play in the NBA. The first um, couple of games, he just, 
I mean, he was 0 for 8 in that, that kind of breakdown and loss to Toronto where they, um, where they, you know, kind of like the, that, the bench guys in the second and third, you just blew that lead and kind of messed up that game and lost in overtime. Um, but uh, Justin Jackson was a guy, Broderick Thomas, I'm just not, you know, high on. I just think he's a, he's a guy. Um, yeah, I, I sort of don't understand why they have him here. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd like to see guys like, like, you know, Mufondo, Kevin Gele has been okay, but he didn't play much. So I would say Justin Jackson's a guy I'm just like, eh. And then Broderick Thomas um, hasn't shown me much at all. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the guys that you're talking about, Gary, I mean, if, if we're talking about guys who are getting in the club, you know, they're hopefully going to get a spot in GA where the rest of these guys are going to be in like either VIP or VIP plus. They're hoping to just get in the building. And I don't think they've done much to warrant. You can't bring up task force party stuff. In the, in the, you can't bring up the task force party. Oh my gosh, Sherrod. You just bring up the NBA task force party. Seriously, Gary, seriously, we're not talking about guys who are going to make much of an impact. They're literally hoping that they just get in the building if they can just make the roster. And they're not doing enough to warrant the Celtics seriously considering them for those end of the bench slots. Uh, The one guy that I've been a little bit disappointed in, and it's not because he's played poorly, it's because he hasn't really made, I don't think he's made much progress, and that's Peyton Pritchard. I mean, the very concerns that we had about him going to the season, which is, you know, being more of a playmaker, uh, <laughs> trying to minimize the fact that he's not a very big player. Uh, there's no, I don't see any growth in his game. Uh, he's a good shooter. He was a good shooter before the season started. He's going to be a good shooter now. But at his size, that's not going to be enough. Uh, defensively, I think he's about where he was last year. Uh, there's nothing about his game, based on what I've seen in the preseason, that makes you think that, He's going to be better in that particular phase of play. And when you look at the, the changes that they've made to this roster, when you add a Malcolm Brogdon, you know, you got Marcus Smart coming back. You drafted J.D. Davidson. I don't know where Peyton's going to get a chance to prove himself. And preseason was that opportunity. Again, he there's still time between obviously now and the start of the season, but I just don't have a sense of how Peyton Pritchard is going to work his way onto the court and play some semblance of meaningful minutes if it doesn't come about because of someone else getting hurt. He's been probably my biggest disappointment because of the lack of growth I've seen in this game. Not that he's played poorly, he's just he hasn't gotten better. And for the, you talk about the additions to this roster, Blake Griffin, he only played about 16 minutes, but how do you think he fits into this rotation from that first glance? It's going to take me a minute to get on a Blake train. Uh, it yeah. is going to take me a minute just because, again, in my brain is etched, scorched. Mm-hmm. The memories of last year were Tatum, Jalen, pretty much Burned anyone him. who had the rock and saw Blake. You had to get a towel to mop up, to drool off the chin when they saw that Blake was on them. They went at him. It was bad. And, yeah. again, I, I think we talked about this before. You look at the circumstances from which he was surrounded by in Brooklyn. It wasn't ideal. Uh, for a player at that stage of their career who jumped on board because he thought they were going to compete for a title. I think Blake will be better in Boston. I think in part because he's with a more cohesive team and not necessarily a bunch of hired assassins who are very talented individuals. But I think Blake also, he's at that point where he's embraced the fact that he's not that 20 and 10 guy anymore. And I think he felt that way in Brooklyn, but I think he still felt he could still sum that up a little bit more consistently than he did. Uh, in Boston, he's not going to get many opportunities to do that. But 
I'm I'm convinced that Blake is going to win them two, three, four games this year. I, I I fully expect him to start at least ten to twelve games this year with injuries and load management and that's such. Uh, but Blake, I, I think, is in a better position for the Celtics to get the best that he still has to offer. But I'm not I'm not putting significant pressure on him to carry this team, whether for a game or or five minutes. I think he's just going to be a solid player. And the things that he does well rebound the ball is something that they're going to need when you don't have a Robert Williams uh, available uh, and you're not going to have Danilo Gallinari for a significant portion, if not all of the season. So a good addition, but I think this is one of the few things where Gary and I are probably on the same page. I would have they got Mello. I mean, mm-hmm. point blank. I, I, I think Mello would have been a better fit, but you know, Blake, if you're not going to get Mello and you're going to get Blake, I can't be mad about that. I just don't agree with it. Mm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think Blake will be fine. I, I was, I thought he played okay. He's got his limitations. Um, you know, there was one play where uh, he was on the break. He was on defense on the break, and McDaniel's Jalen McDaniel's like rose up for a dunk and. Not eight, 10 years ago, Blake would have jumped with him and tried to block it, but Blake just stayed on the ground and got dunked I'm on. I'm good. And I was like, okay, that's that's 33-year-old Blake, not 23-year-old Blake um, in terms of uh, just his athleticism. But I think he'll fill a role. I think, like sure I said, he'll rebound. Um, and, uh, you know, to me... I think they could use one more piece. If I was them, I'd probably leave a roster spot open because at this point they, they can make three cuts and it's pretty evident. It's going to be semantic layman and then probably Broderick Thomas. Okay. I mean, I don't think anybody would lose any sleep if those guys are not, because they just haven't done much. Obviously haven't played much and Davidson and Kevin Gelly go on the two ways. So you're going to keep Justin Jackson and, Vonley. Now, if you don't think Jackson can help, leave a roster spot open. Maybe you do add another, add a mellow or eventually a guy who can come in and be a veteran, uh, help out off the bench who can, who's proven. Um, Cause if I'm the Celtics, I'd rather have mellow than Justin Jackson. Um, and I like Justin Jackson. I think he can, he, he's a little inconsistent, but I think he can do a few things for them. Vonley, I think, makes a team because he's just veteran. He's big. And the way Missoula talks about him is just, it's, it's, I think he's got the spot locked. I mean, just, he likes, you know, he follows what we do. He fits into our system. All the things that you want to hear about a guy trying out for a team, Missoula has said about Vonley. And Vonley, after having a really bad first half in Charlotte, the other day, he had three. He had four turnovers in the first half. Three of them on illegal screens. He came back and had fourteen and thirteen. Um, you know, so I just think if I'm the Celtics, I leave a roster spot open. I add Von Lay um, and go from there. Maybe save that roster spot for um, a Carmelo Anthony or someone else. I mean, they got time. Like teams are not, you know pushing each other back to sign Melo. Teams are not kicking, kicking, you know, they're not, they're not racing to sign up. So um, I think it's understanding the time element is on their side. They'll see how their roster shakes out. I don't think they're just going to give a spot to Justin Jackson simply because 
they have a spot open, they might leave one open. Well, while we're speaking about open roster spots, I want to talk real quickly to the small business owners that listen to our podcast. No one has a business like yours with all its strengths and challenges. To succeed, you need a hiring partner that adapts to your needs. You need Indeed. Indeed is the number one hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. The fun fact about this is like within the last 30 seconds of me talking about this, 16 hires were already made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. So it's so easy for you to do. Their instant match with over 80% of employers can get quality candidates and resumes that fit the description. All you have to do if you're listening right now is actually start hiring with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post. You can go to indeed.com slash A-list. Again, that's a $75 job credit for your first post. All you have to do is go to indeed.com slash A-list. Need to hire, you need Indeed. Anyways, let's talk about some more basketball. <laughs> so we talked about the, the preseason. Again, it's all with a grain of salt. We talked about some of, Charlotte, actually, I would love to hear what positions, what, what you would like the Celtics to do with their open roster spots, kind of what Gary was saying of not just filling it, just to fill it. But if there's any prospects that you think could potentially fit into the Celtics. Well, I, st- I still have hope that they're going to bring Melo in. Because I just think that if you're the Boston Celtics and you look at the way your roster is constructed, when you're looking to fill that end of the, that latter part of your bench or guys who can maybe pop into the rotation with, with an injury or two, I think you need to have guys who are gamers, guys that can literally put a team on his, on their back for like five, 10 minute stretch and will you to win. You need those type of players at, at the back end. I think when you're a championship caliber team, or at least a team that has legitimate aspirations to win a title. And that's why, you know, adding a guy like Melo to me uh, just makes a lot of sense. Uh, adding, you know, someone who again has been through some of the battles of the NBA and is in a position where, they're not necessarily needing to carry the team, but they have shown the ability to be that guy in this league. Uh, you, to me, it, you can't hurt yourself by having guys like that at the end of your bench who understand themselves well enough to know that they still have that ability in them, but they just may not be able to summon it up as often as they have in the past. Uh, I think Blake Griffin has clearly shown that from a mental standpoint, that's where he's at. He just wants to win and have some type of role in, in that coming about. I don't know for sure if Carmelo Anthony is at that point yet, but based upon how he looked in LA uh, and all the just the cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs drama that they had going on in LA, I thought Melo handled himself admirably. I thought he definitely showed that he still can knock down shots, which is always going to be a strength. Uh, and with his footwork, putting him at the four, at the power four spot on the block gives you a very, he's a tough cover. Uh, and and as we all know, those of us who've been around Melo know up close, the brother's thick. I mean, this isn't, this isn't, you know, 2003 Melo leading Syracuse to a national championship. This is grown ass man Melo, who is from, phys- from a physical standpoint, able to play around the block and, and do some work around there. Not as good a rebounder as I would like, uh, but he more than compensates for that with his ability to score. And the role that he would play with the Celtics, remember, Malcolm Brogdon has been like arguably, you know, arguably he is, he's been their best playmaker 
this year. And he has been an equal opportunity distributor, whether it's Jalen, Jason, Marcus, you name it, you get open, Malcolm is going to find you. That's the type of player that if you put Mel, Mel, put Melo on that second unit with a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, I could absolutely see you getting a, the best that Melo has to offer from an offensive standpoint because he'd be on the floor with a guy whose strength thus far has been getting teammates the ball where they can be the most productive. The question is, the only thing I have about that is, where do you put Sam Hauser? Do you just, like, if Sam Hauser's hitting threes, I mean, can you play him and Melo? Is does he is Hauser the guy that they're going to choose? Like, I think the one thing you don't want is Melo to sign and then not play, right? And there's just be a guy on the on the end of the bench. Like, I think you want him to have a definitive role, whether it's eight, 10, 12, 15 minutes a game, whatever the second unit. But the question I have when it comes to that is like. Does he take Grant's minutes at times? Does he take Howell's minutes? Whose minutes does he take? And how does that translate with the team? Does it make him a better team? It might make him a better team. Who knows? But to me, I'm always, I, I'm just concerned at this point because, they, you know, Hauser has kind of emerged here as that, that swing man. And um, I know John Hollinger from The Athletic wrote, like, like he thought, the Celtics should add another wing because he's like, that's a lot to put on Hauser's plate. And I agree with him in that sense, like to say, okay, Hauser, you're going to be like the 18 to 20 minute guy as a part of the second unit. Like, can he handle that? Maybe. Um, but do you want Carmelo's reinforcement? Um, if Hauser flourishes, will Carmelo just be that 15th man um, waving a towel don't know if you want that. I think if you bring Carmelo in, you want him to have a definitive role. And I'm sure his agents and his representative are going to ask, like, hey, he wants to play. Like, he doesn't, no, he doesn't have to start. No, he doesn't have to play 35 minutes a game, but he does want to play. And um, and so I, I think that that's an interesting concept when you come to, because Hauser's the guy. Like, there's a lot on his plate this year. Obviously, he's the guy that they didn't play last year, you know, like, Ime, whatever, didn't trust him or whatever. He wasn't experienced. Not, you know, Neesmith bombed out. He's gone. So they need that swing man. They need a guy to come in and hit shots, right? Uh, if Hauser can do that and Grant, is there a place? Uh, that's a good question. Do you want Hauser and Mello on the floor at the same time? You know, uh, I, I think that's an interesting question. As I said, I think Vonley makes a team for sure. And I think they leave their spot open for someone like that or a trade. Our friend Jay Crowder is still out there. That, but um, that's going to be a tough one because what, what I did, I did the numbers and like you know, without Robert Williams and um, Danilo Gallinari, like they're down to fifteen guys with two two ways. And so, unless you're playing Kevin Gelly some, and then JD Davidson, which you might not. Because you want to send them to Maine. I don't know. Maybe they like Kevin Gelly enough to trust him with minutes. Like you're playing 13 guys. You're, you got 13 because you got two out. One for the, probably for the season, the other for three months. So they need a body. You're, I mean, you know, they do need another body. Yeah, and but I I think you can make it work with Melo if you if you're keeping it to like eight to ten minutes a game. I think you can carve some of those minutes for Grant, carve some of those minutes you're thinking about for Sam, and have Melo out there because the one thing that he gives you 
is another guy that can help you space the floor. If you've got Carmelo Anthony on the block, your defense has to recognize that. Your defense has to respect the fact that one of the all-time great scorers in NBA history can still get buckets. And that, in many, to, in many respects, I see him as being almost like a low-post version of Sam Hauser, who can help you space the floor because of his perimeter game. I think Melo can do the same because of what he can do around a block. Uh, and, and so I do think that there, there can be a place for him. But to Gary's point, you have to be smart about it if you're the Celtics, and you have to be clear and, and, and make it abundantly clear that this guy is going to play 8 to 10, 10 to 12, 12 to 15. And think about what does that mean for Grant. Think about what does that mean for Sam. Think about what that means for, you know, some of your 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 other perimeter slash wing guys and, and whether you can carve a couple minutes off of their playing time to give uh, and put mellow out there for that. Uh, but that, to me, that's a hell of a problem to have. How am I going to figure out how to get one of the all-time great NBA scores on the floor doing what he does best? That's... <laughs> And that, to me, again, as much as we want to talk about what does it mean to the Celtics, we also have to be mindful, what does that mean to their opponents and their game planning? That's one more bullet point that you got to worry about that can beat you on any given night. And so I, I just think there's, there's more positives than negatives to bringing him in, as long as there's an understanding that he'll play a limited role and that you're not going to, this isn't going to be, you know, mellow and the four, you know, this ain't gonna be like those those crappy Knicks teams where he was dragging cats, you know, to the second round of the playoffs. No. That, that Syracuse championship team too. <laughs> Don't hate. All right. <laughs> Don't hate. Carmelo oh, yeah. and the Miracles. <laughs> Stop hating, Gary. It's not a good look on you, man. I'm just saying, Calgary. <laughs> not a good look. Not a good look. Well, another former NBA All-Star that's currently without a job is Kemba Walker. Gary, you had the opportunity to talk to him, I'm assuming in Charlotte. He mentioned that he still thinks he has years left in his career, but right now him and Detroit are figuring out a buyout deal that they can both agree on. From both of your perspectives, do you think he still has an opportunity to play in the league at this point? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Now, is he Charlotte Kemba? Is he Charlotte Kemba? Is he dropping 43 on the Celtics, Kimba? Maybe not, but I think he wasn't terrible with the Knicks, but his defensive prowess wasn't there, and Thibodeau just kind of turned on him. Yeah, he benched him for, yeah. Yeah, like it wasn't like, y'all blaming Kimba because the Knicks were terrible last year after the playoffs. Like, they put a lot in Kimba's lap in terms of, like, blame for what happened, but I th- Kimba, remember Kimba had a came back, got a triple double. He's Ice Cube. I mean, he had a triple double yeah. um, for the Knicks when they when they desperately when Derrick Rose got hurt and they desperately had to play him. He, he put a triple double. Like, and yeah. remember that game in Boston, how good he was when he came back. I mean, he he gave him the business. He had twenty seven. So don't tell me he's trash now. He's not. Um, do I think he's lost a step? Yes. Do I think he's a player he was in Charlotte? No. But I think he could, can he play a backup point guard? You know, Cameron uh, Payne plays a backup point guard for Phoenix. Like, he ain't, he ain't good as Cameron Payne. He ain't good as some of these backup point guards in the league. That's, a, that's a, a, absurd. The question probably for teams is, Kim is going to want to start. If he's uh, saying, I just want to play, which I think is important for him to emphasize, he just wants to come off the bench. But I don't think he's... You know, damn it, is he what he once was? 
Unfortunately, some guys declined quickly at 32. At 28, he was a baller. At 32, he's he's got the knee issues. Um, he said he feels good. He looked fine. Um, I'm sure he's working out, waiting the things to work out in Detroit. But yeah, could he play backup point guard with some of these backup point guards around the NBA? Of course he can. Of course he can still play in the league. I'm. I think it's sad, but I also think it's a situation in New York where the Knicks weren't going to trade him, and then they trade him to Detroit. Detroit. Detroit's rebuilding. They don't want him. They, they don't need him as like a backup point guard. They got um, you know Corey Joseph to back up Kay Cunningham, um, and then they already got a full backcourt. So, but I do think there's jobs open, and I do think that Kimba if he's willing to be a backup, could come back to Charlotte, maybe. He could play a lot of places, believe me. Yeah. So I mean, what do you think I, I, is the issue Detroit right now? What's that, Connie? What's the issue with Detroit right now? Why aren't they just... They don't it need sounds it. like it's a money thing. Like, it, yeah, the buyout and the Pistons might want to hold on to his contract for potential trade um, because you've got that one year, eight million left. So it sounds like a money, perhaps a money thing. The, the money ain't good enough for him to be bought out. So they're just haggling. And until the Pistons need that roster spot, they're just going to have a stalemate, you know? Mm-hmm. And then obviously just like Brooke and Dwight Howard, and these dudes are veterans. They can get in shape and get ready to play in a couple of weeks. So it's, it's not like, you know, Trim, Kimba needs a serious full training camp. I think he's healthy, um, it sounds like. So, I, I mean, I think there'll be a need for him. I would hate to think that he, he's played his last NBA game. No, I think he'll find a home eventually, but I think it'll be more of a, kind of like an injury replacement type of deal because the other point that it's not even so much about his, his ability as much as his age. There, there's far too much emphasis on where players are age-wise and teams not believing that – once you hit a certain age, you can still be productive. And, and Kimba, unfortunately, is on the other side of that that mountain as far as where his game is at and the, the, the area of growth. And I think that's part of the reluctance that teams have. Not only has he had a rough go of things the last couple of years in terms of his impact, but he's getting older. And point guard is one of those positions, as we look around at, at the top point guards, you'd be hard-pressed to find guys who are considered maybe top five, top ten point guards other than maybe Kyrie Irving. Uh Almost all of them are in the mid, their early to mid twenties. And Kimba, I think there's a sense that time has passed him by. But I, I'm, I agree with Gary. I, I still think he's got enough juice in the tank to help a team if he's given an opportunity to do just that and that is play and, and help them. Well, hopefully the scouts that are listening will go and read Gary Washburn's article and give Kimba a second look. But we are. Only a week away from the NBA season tipping off. And if you haven't downloaded Bet Online at this point, I don't know exactly what you're doing. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events, which of course include the NBA, which again is less than a week away, NFL, October baseball, NHL, really any sport that you are a fan of, you can find them on Bet Online. They continue to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting to props and futures. All you need to do is head to BetOnline today. You can use your mobile device, laptop, wherever you get internet to join and make your first sports bet. You can use our promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Once again, that's CLNS50 for that 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, where the games start. 
So it wouldn't be a A-list podcast if we didn't have some NBA drama to talk about on a regular basis because the NBA is a glorified soap opera. And I'm sure everyone that's listening at this point has not only heard about, but probably seen the video, unfortunately, of Draymond Green knocking Ooh. Cool out. I have no other words for it, honestly. It's not really funny because the situation now has resulted in Draymond Green excusing himself from a team. He apologized for embarrassing Jordan Poole and his family. But let's be real. This is going to be something that NBA and NBA Twitter is going to talk about for a while. But I want to hear from you two. What do you think are not only the short-term effects of this situation, but really the long-term impact on Draymond's career as a whole? Short-term effect. If you look, if you're talking about from a team perspective, uh, it's just that they're going to look fractured. They're going to, they're, and you don't know how that's going to play out when they get on the court. Uh, long-term is, is what do you do with Draymond and, and pool? I mean, it is because you're looking to sign pool to a multi-year extension and that's great. You're also looking to sign Draymond to a multi-year extension as well. Right. How is that going to work long-term? Um, how is your young up and coming shooting guard with tremendous promise going to feel comfortable in a locker room where one of the elder statesmen cracks you in your jaw? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, apologize for it afterward. But that doesn't change the fact that he cracked you in your jaw. And it's there's so many there's so many factors in, in some ways. It's similar to the Udoka situation from the standpoint to hear me out that there are factors that we don't know that came into play that may give us a better clue or sense as to why this happened that we just don't know now. And we may never know those. Uh, but the fact that Draymond didn't really want to get into what led him to do that, that makes me a little bit nervous if, if I'm a teammate of his, because as, as I think Kevin Looney's probably said, uh, Kevin Looney probably said it best, you know, he's got to get that trust back from us. Uh, and that's something that when you've been through all that they've been through as a team and you're having those conversations on the eve of you trying to defend your title, that's just bad all the way around. There's, there's nothing good can, that can come about when you begin the season. And this is the theme. This is what people are talking about with your crew. Not that you want to chip. Not that Steph, you know, is Steph one of the all-time greats. You're talking about teammate on teammate fights. Mm -hmm. That's not, and I can't even call it a fight because Jordan really never had a shot to he fight. Didn't. I mean, Draymond can call it what he wants to, but he sucker punched the dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude pushed him. You are not expecting a teammate to punch you in your jaw. You expect Ever. a teammate to push you, maybe bark in your face. You are not expecting a teammate to hit you in your jaw. Now, if this, if they were playing the Celtics and, and Jordan pushed Tatum or Jalen or anyone, if you get cracked in your jaw, then you 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 started that. You brought that on you. But in practice with a teammate, no, you don't see that coming. Talk about practice. Yeah. Thank God it wasn't a game. Not a game. Um I think that it might be the beginning of the end for Draymond in Golden State. Mm -hmm. I just think these, you know, the act is getting tired in terms of his antics and, you know, and he's such a smart guy, right? And he's got his post-career lined up as a commentator. I mean- New media, take, yeah. yeah. His yeah, new media. Maybe mm. take the place of Charles Barkley eventually. But the the anger and the acted out and the, I mean, he just straight punched the dude. You know, he he walked up on him and then got all in his face. And what's, what's Poole supposed to do? Like, you know, he pushed, like, get off me. I mean, to me, it was, it was, it was a little just, it was sad. It was disappointing. Draymond, 32 years old, pulled 22, 23. 
Like you just, and, 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 you know, you can hang out and I'm sure these guys will get over it. There's been practice fights before where guys have, you know, made up and been cool and all that stuff, but it just seems a little different. And I think Draymond understands where the Warriors are going with this. And what I mean by that is, is that they got their big three, Clay, Draymond, and Steph. Won all the championships together, but they're all getting up there in age. Okay. The Warriors have planned for their departures. Not tomorrow, like they want them to leave, but they've got the big four coming. Poole, Kaminga, Moody, and Wiseman. They have four lottery pick type player. I think Poole was like a 20-something pick, but all three of those other guys are lottery picks. So three lottery picks and a 20-something pick, a late first rounder who's played way above that. If there was a redraft, Poole would be a lottery pick. So you got four lottery picks waiting in the wings, okay, who are going to get paid, need to get paid. Steph's going to get paid until he wants to retire. Clay's up next year, not this summer. Clay's got one more year in his deal. And then you got Draymond, who's got a player option next summer, who could exercise it, or hopefully he wants to sign an extension. So the Warriors understand. They got to figure out who the they got to re-up Pool, eventually re-up Wiseman, and then and here comes Moody and Kaminga like a year after Wiseman. So their money is going to be not they can't you can't max everybody, right? You or you can't pay everybody a hundred million, uh, and you're going to pay you're paying Steph, you're going to pay Clay another hundred something million if you want him back, you're going to give Pool a hundred million at least. So. Draymond sees the writing on the door and I think he's just real frustrated and he understands my skills are declining. I'm 32. I don't see Draymond playing until he's 37, 38. You know what I'm saying? I just don't see 38 year old Draymond out there chasing. It's like Rodman. When Rodman was done, he was done. Right. I loved Rodman when he went for the Lakers and then went to after Chicago. And I think back, I think after the Chicago years, he was like 33 with that last Bulls year, the last dance year, and then he started trying to run like he was 35 and he was still hanging out, all that. Like, he wasn't the same. He just didn't have it. You know, he just didn't have that 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 athleticism. And the same with Draymond. You can see the decline. And it's, you know, nobody wants to play our favorite players to, to decline. No one likes to see a guy be a step slow. No one wants to see Kimba out the league or no one wants to see Carmelo looking to sign a minimum deal, but it happens. That's the league. It's a, it's a, it's a chart. It's a, it's a treadmill. Like some players just get jump, you know, get pushed to the side and the new general, the Victor Wimbiambas come in. That's the, that's the league and the Scoot Hendersons, they're coming. Right. So to me, I think this has long-term repercussions on his status of organization. He needs to stay away and, you know, get some therapy, man. If that's what you're doing, get if that's what you need. And if it's only two or three sessions because he thinks he's fine, but go see somebody. Like, why did you do that to this man? This man has a family, and that's, and that's not a funny thing to say, but his mama got to watch that. Yeah. You know, his mama got to see his her, his her son getting socked in a jaw like that. And when he didn't even have a chance, he didn't have his hands up. You know, at least you're going to hear somebody, have, you know, okay, do Give that. Give him a shot, right. Yeah, have their hands up. He even have his hands up. So you just got a clean shot. And then, you know, 
nothing happened and oh i'm sorry and then the video got out on friday morning and all which is another broke story it. in itself now yeah. this, uh, who leaked the video yeah. i'm telling you there's somebody who was like <laughs> let me see i get paid forty two thousand from the warriors and james he paid me a pfc gonna pay me a hundred thousand for this take <laughs> <laughs> What's the I email address take... I need to upload this to? <laughs> well, I, I think I'm gonna take TMZ for 200, Jim. Like he, whoever that dude was, was like, "Yep, yeah, I know I'm getting fired, but I got a hundred thousand reasons why I'm be okay." Exactly. Uh, I mean, you know, so it's it's uh it's it's sad, and uh, you know you hate to see it because Draymond, when you get to talk to him and during the final we. You know, he's a good guy. He's a, obviously, he has his opinions, and a lot of people don't like him, and I get all that. Everybody don't have to like him, but this kind of stuff, this can't happen. And But to that point, similar to what Sherrod said about, like, the Celtic situation, the court of public opinion already hated Draymond from – he's just been a, a villain in the NBA overall, so he didn't really do himself any favors by getting into this fight, but – that being said, it also sparks the, at least for me, the curiosity of like what exactly was said because they've been known to be good friends and teammates. So what did he say that could spark enough anger for you to hit someone that you consider to be a good friend, obviously slash teammate? So it just sounds like Poole is just talking practice mess and Draymond probably had an issue with it for a while. And he knows that, Pool is going to is part of the Warriors' future. Like he yeah. is there, right? And Draymond is becoming is going to be part of the past. He's going to be yeah. looking for a new team, perhaps. The Warriors are not going to go. Hey, Draymond, here's the here's that five year, one hundred and fifty five million dollar deal you've been looking for. Here you go. Like no, that's not going to happen. Just like a lot of guys when they hit thirty around the league, their salary structure changes a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. They're not max players anymore they're 10 million dollar players they're, i mean our friend tristan thompson came signed a five-year 90 million dollar deal with the Cavs. his next deal was two years and 18 with the celtics like that's what happens when age kicks in your salary drops and so draymond understands that it might not happen in golden state and i don't think he's going to take Oh, I'll take five million just to stay here with you guys. Like, I think he wants to be rewarded. His 23 is going to go up in the in the rafters. We all know that. Clay's number, Steph's number is going to all go up in the rafters at Chase Center. Um, but I think Draymond realizes that my career, if I want to keep playing five more years, my career might not end here. Clay's is going to end here. Clay's beloved. And then you know, Steph, we all know. Steph ain't going nowhere. So I think he feels some kind of way about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced Draymond's career is going to wind up in Detroit. It just it just makes too much sense. Uh, when you look at the things that that team needs going forward as they try to build themselves back into being a legit contender, he checks a lot of those boxes. Um, but obviously, he don't come cheap. Uh, and, and so that's, that's the million-dollar question. What will they be willing to give up? Are they willing to just – Waited out till he becomes, you know, a, you know, a free agent, and see if they can get him that way. But Draymond, I, I agree with you, Gary. I, I think he absolutely recognizes the fact that, you know, for him, his NBA future is going to at some point require a change of zip code. Uh, and the sooner you embrace that, 
the sooner you're going to be, the better off you're going to be in the long run. But I do think that, you know, for a split second, I think a lot of those emotions and 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 how that scenario bothers him, plus a couple other things uh, came in the way, all came together in that moment, and he just snapped. Um, I mean, he didn't just throw a punch at him. I mean, he lunged into that. Angry, I mean, yeah. that's that's you don't do that to family. I mean, family get on your damn nerves, but if it comes to, to blows, you're ready to fight. But that's like ending one's life and or career type that's, swing yeah. that he did. And that's why I, a lot of us who've seen this video are looking at Golden State kind of with the side eye because he could have potentially, forget about, you know, just the contract, he could have ended that man's life. I mean, I know a lot of people don't work. I mean, Gary, you, you and I, I mean, I think it was a little bit before our time, but Rudy Timjanovich. Oh, I was I gonna mean, say that Kermit Washington yeah. turned around six foot eight, which Draymond about Draymond's size, six foot eight, two fifty, turned around and crunched and broke his literally uh, broke his face. Rudy Tomjanovich was running to break up the fight, and Washington lost it and just. I mean, you know, these are grown ass men. I mean, Draymond. You know, on when you when you put him up next to us, other guys, it's like, oh, he's he's kind of he's tall, like Draymond, a big dude. Like in in real life, Draymond is a big guy. Okay, Jordan Poole is six four, and that's short in the NBA, but you know, tall for the rest of us. So this is two big old men, and Draymond is a grown man. Draymond two fifty, two forty five. So that's six nine, six eight, two forty five, laying you out. Like that's. That's that's weapons. That's that's more than just, you know, that's more than just like two kids in the streets. That is like serious. That could have been serious. And luckily for Poole, he was OK. He played in the preseason game the other night against the Lakers. He looked good. You know, look, look luckily he's not look doesn't look too damaged from it. Uh, you know, and that's it. He's going to be the sympathetic figure. Draymond's going to be the bad guy. And and he's going to do this is something he ain't going to shake. Like, you know, Kermit Washington was never the Lakers literally traded him a week or so after that punch. And Kermit Washington, I was a Warp Laker fan. I remember that game it was not on television, whatever, but I remember hearing about it, watching on local news, and like the Lakers, I don't think Kermit ever played with the Lakers again after that. Like, and it was sort of like he was he, he was thinking Tom John was coming over to fight, and he just turn around and deck them. And that happens in these types of situations. But when you have grown-ass men like this throwing hands, and it's not funny, people think on Twitter, oh, we see all these videos, and we become desensitized to the violence. Yeah. I, mean, we, I mean, we become desensitized. You know, people post, you know, kids getting beat down in school by five kids. Oh, my God, that's, that's crazy. We, have, we, we were desensitized. We don't know the damage that could do, the psychological, emotional, and now and then the physical damage. So, Draymond's fortunate the Warriors aren't suspending him for ten or fifteen games, and, or that Jordan Poole isn't pressing charges. Yes, yeah. we know. It's just know. if I'm, you know, but I'm sure the Warriors are like Draymond. Just stay away for a while. Like if you miss the ring opening night, you miss the opening night. We'll be fine. We'll just get, your, get yourself together. Figure some things out. And let this cool down, because when that video got released, it, you know, that was the worst thing that could happen. Do you think if the video hadn't gotten released, 
we would be talking about this incident the way we're talking about it now. Nope, no shot, no shot. That, that to me, that video, and again, very different, obviously, domino effects, but the impact that that video had on this particular narrative um, shows the power of video in this day and age. I mean, think about George Floyd. If we didn't have that video, I'm not sure that the upheaval that this country went through after that would have happened. Uh, yeah. It would have been perceived as just another, you know, police officer who maybe, maybe not, was a little aggressive. Um, but with Even that Ray video, Rice, you think about football, Ray Rice, no one right. believed until they saw the elevator video either. Yeah, right, right. And so th that that's why the the power of the video. I mean, to me, that is the most powerful weapon in law enforcement this day. Uh, the power mm -hmm. of video. It's a game changer. Uh, and no, there's no way in the world that this was going to be. In fact, you think you look back at the, some of the initial comments that the Warriors made, they tried to make it as if they're not that big a deal. Yo, yeah. yo, soon to be nine figure backup guard just almost got his face smashed in. And and yet that's not that big a deal. And I'm not sh and I'm not sure again, the people who were speaking about it, like Bob Myers and those folks, I'm not sure they were at that practice. I'm not sure that they knew the extent of what yeah. happened, that they maybe have been going by the same thing a lot of us are going by, and that's just what players say about what happened. Like, oh, yeah, he took a swing at Jordan. You know, not a big deal. There's, there's okay. nothing to see here. And then you see that video, but he did, that wasn't no swing. He put, I mean, th that was like, you know, that was a Mike Tyson mentality type swing, where I'm trying to end this fight right now, one punch, get my check and go home. Draymond, uh, indefinite leave just doesn't feel like enough. I mean, to be very frank and, and, and candid with you, uh, after seeing the video, before the video, no way to tell him, but after seeing the video, indefinitely, if it's not, if he's not missing like games, no, no, gotta miss some games for that. Well, by the time we reconvene next week, we'll be one or two days away from the official beginning of the NBA season. But until then, for HR Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani Lunas. This is the A-List Podcast, and stick around with us for this upcoming season. <laughs>